Amen. Nothing like good spiritual music to get our hearts ready for the service. And boy, good singing this morning. I tell you, I like singing about the blood. I don't know about you, but uh, boy, all the songs about the blood this morning helps us reflect on the reason we get to be called the children of God. You know, today is the first Sunday after the college football season kicks off. And uh, usually on this Sunday, I try to wear, wear purple somewhere along the line, and I even worked it in with the socks today. And uh, I think, you know, when you serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, you ought to wear colors of royalty, and purple and gold are colors of royalty. Just read your Bible. They're in there. And uh, I don't want to go any further before I quench the Spirit. I can already tell some of you are gearing up to fire at me after this service, but let me segue out of that. You know, I, I get excited. I like to watch college football. And people ask me, how can you be from Mississippi and pull for an LSU team, a Louisiana team? I said, that's very simple. I married a wife from Louisiana, and I have to go home with her. I don't have to go home with you. <laughs> and uh, to me, that's a no-brainer. But, uh, well, I'll tell you, I love watching them play. I love watching them play yesterday. I, I thought it was kind of sweet that Alabama was able to score as many points as LSU did. It just took them a whole game to do it, and LSU did it by halftime. But I'll tell you, there's one color we all have in common this morning, and it's that crimson color. No, Brother Gary, it's not a crimson tide. It's that crimson blood of Christ. Aren't you glad? The one color that ought to stir us up more than anything is that color of the crimson blood of Christ because if you're saved this morning, that's how you got saved. You didn't get here any other way this morning than by the blood of Christ, and I'm thankful for that today. And boy, it just stirs me up, gets us ready to preach, and I want to encourage you today. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you've not trusted Him and have your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, you can know that today, and we can be on the same team in that respect. Aren't you glad? That's going to be the only team that matters in eternity, by the way. I love cheering for football, and I love watching football, but in the end, we'll all be pulling for the crimson when we get there because that's the team that got us there, and I hope you know Him today. And just a good day to be in church, sun shining outside. Tomorrow is a holiday. I mean, only in America would we name a holiday away from work Labor Day. I mean, that's just an American thing, you know, and, and then God allows us to be in church today. There's not a hurricane off of our coast. The Lord's been good to us and blessed us. By the way, I just got to throw this in there. Hasn't it been amazing to watch the track of that hurricane? You know, they were showing it slamming into Florida, the Category 4 or Category 5, and people are praying and people are asking God to, to work and to spare people. If a Category 5 were to hit the, the coast of Florida, it would be catastrophic. I was telling Brother Heath, I went down after Andrew as a kid and, and saw the devastation there in Homestead, Florida, and if a Category 5 were to hit, it'd be devastating. And folks have been praying for our friends and family and even people we don't know down in South Florida, and you see that thing now tracking, and they don't even have it really forecasted to make landfall, kind of turn back out to sea. And Brother Bill Blasiola said yesterday at our men's prayer breakfast, you know, that God did that, and God pushed that away, and I believe that God did that, and, and then we'll go blame the, the, the meteorologist and say, well, they just got it wrong. Why can't we just give God glory for what he did? I think God did that, and let's thank God for that, but it's good to be in God's house here today. We do need to pray for those that may still be impacted by that, but I'm glad that we're able to be here today, and the storm is not off of our coast, and I'm looking forward to what God has planned for us in the service. I had a great service last Sunday, our 70th anniversary, and I'm going to try to build on that a little bit today, and how God has blessed our church over 70 
the years. And last Sunday night, boy, what a wonderful service we had with the Bartlett family singing and singing a heritage of godliness. And, and now we segue out of that and we start building on the next 70 years today. So I hope you're looking forward to that. Genesis chapter number 31. Let's turn there if you don't mind. <clears throat> I do want to say thank you for those that have have been praying for my dad and my mom and uh, the family there. My uncle did go on to be with the Lord. Uh, the surgery, the heart surgery did not work out the way they were hoping, and the Lord took him home. Mom and dad are on the way home today, and uh, also be with another one of our members this week, Miss Daisy. Uh, I was down there in Miami right now, just a, a horrific uh, circumstances there with her family, a triple homicide and her family, and having to deal with that. And uh, we've got a lot of folks that are in need of grace today, so lift up your brothers and sisters in Christ, part of our church body that are in need today. Genesis chapter 31, if you would, let's go ahead and stand, and I'm going to read a couple of verses. We're going to read more in the message, uh, but uh, I'm just going to read two, I think, to get started. Genesis chapter 31, we're going to pick up with the same character that we preached about last week uh, of Jacob, and the messages are unrelated, but uh, Jacob is the key character we're going to be looking at, and we know because of Jacob and Esau and the division that was created there between them because of of Jacob's treachery, if you will, or his trickery, that Jacob fled from Esau and uh, dwelled there with Laban. And the Bible says that after a while, the Lord came to him in verse number three. And notice what it says. And the Lord said, Genesis chapter 31, verse three, the Lord said unto Jacob, return unto the land of thy fathers and to, the, and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. So God's telling Jacob, I want you to go back to where you ran from, if you will. Look at verse 13. We'll read this and pray and let you be seated. God repeats to him, or he recounts the promise, I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowest a vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out from this land, and return unto the land of thy kindred. Now let's ask the Lord to bless. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the blood. Thank you, Father, for the privilege to be a part of a local body of believers here at Central Baptist Church. Thank you for all those that have come today, members or not. And I pray that, Lord, our hearts are prepared through the music that which you've sent. And I pray that we are ready to receive the message. If there's something in our life today hindering us from receiving it, help us get rid of it now. I pray, Lord, if there's one here lost today, help them to see that we all came to a church at one time or another as a lost person but heard the glorious gospel and was saved. I pray they'd be saved today. Help us all be obedient and do your will in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. I have to admit to you, uh, Jacob is uh, a character in the Bible I really have a lot of mixed feelings about. Jacob is a character that we read about how obviously God was involved in his life and God desired to use him and God did use him. But sometimes I wonder why God used Jacob. He's not the shining star in the family of God. I, I think you could look back and see he, he tricked his brother out of his birthright. I mean, his brother had been out working and was kind of famished and in need of something to eat. And uh, Esau was the older brother. The elder brother was due the double portion of the father's inheritance. And his brother comes in from the field and needs something to eat desperately. And his brother says, I'll cook you some lentils, uh, some beans, if you will, to eat. Uh, but you have to give me your birthright. I mean, you're talking about treacherous there. I mean, kind of just jump straight to the point. He didn't waste any time. I kind of feel like Jacob probably had a contract already drawn up in his back pocket, and he was ready for Esau to sign it. And uh, obviously, the Lord was going to use Jacob. Esau didn't think that much of his birthright, and God had the right guy. But years later, we see how that Jacob deceived his own father. His father, is, his eyes are getting dim, the Bible says. He can't see very well, and he's getting ready to die and wants to bless Esau. And Esau was a hairy man, and he says, go get Esau, bring him in, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to bless him. And, 
Jacob pretends to be a hairy man, comes in there with the fervent animal and says, yes, I'm, I'm Esau. And, and the Bible says that Isaac blessed Jacob instead of Esau. I mean, this guy's kind of got a colorful past. Not necessarily somebody that I might would want to use. And sometimes I wonder, God, why did you use Jacob? But then there are other times I am thankful that God used Jacob. Because oftentimes in my life, I can be just as treacherous. And oftentimes in my life, I can be just as underhanded. Oftentimes in my life, I can take advantage of the situation just as Jacob did. And yet, if God desired to use Jacob in all of his troubles, and all of his scheming that took place in his life, that means that God could use someone even like me. And God could use someone even like you this morning. Now, as you might imagine, there's some bad blood between Jacob and Esau. Matter of fact, the reason that Jacob had fled was because Esau desired to kill him. The Bible says that Esau thought it would make his heart feel better if he killed his brother Jacob. I, I think we probably can all relate to that feeling if you have siblings, that sometimes you just feel better to knock them over the head. And Jacob fled from the presence of Esau, the Bible says, and Jacob has been gone a while. The Bible says in verse number three, the Lord said unto Jacob, return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. I'll be honest, I think Jacob's heart probably fell a little bit. God begins to tell him, I want you to return to the place that you have been running from, almost the same account as Moses that had fled from Egypt, and now God had called him to go back into Egypt. And God has a desire to use Jacob, but God's going to use Jacob in the place that he had called him to to fulfill the promise. Now, as inviting as it would sound to me to go back, and God's commanding me to go back, and God wants to fulfill his promise in my life and for my family, the, the promise is repeated there again in, in chapter number 31, I would have to, to think this morning that Jacob understands that this is not going to be a walk in the park. I mean, you're asking me to literally walk back into the area that I had the troubles, kind of walking into a, a buzzsaw, and Jacob understands before he can get back to the land of his kindred, to the place that God is calling him to, there are some things that Jacob is going to have to deal with along the way. I, I think we can probably all relate to that in one way or another this morning. Every person that is here today, understand this, every person that is here today, whether this is your first time or your 50th time here, at some point in your life, God is going to call you, every person here. At the very least, God will call every person that is here to salvation. God will knock on your heart's door through the Holy Spirit of God, and he will let you know that you are lost and in need of a Savior, but the good news is you have a Savior, and his name is Jesus, if you'll trust him. He's going to call every one of us, every one of us. Now, he'll at least call you one time. There is not a person in hell today that was not called by God at least one time for salvation. God, I saw a bumper sticker the other day, and I think I mentioned this on a Wednesday night. God never sent anybody to hell. He dishonored their choice. And they chose to reject the offer and the calling of God to be saved. And, and then after you get saved, God wants to call you again. Every person after you get saved, God's going to call you, knock on your heart's door, and draw you into service. God wants to use us. Aren't you glad? Even old rascals like Jacob, God wants to use us. And look, I know some of you folks, and you're rascals like Jacob do. I'm a rascal like Jacob too, and I'm glad that God wants to use me. But here's the deal. Oftentimes, as in the case of Jacob, to get from where we are to where he's calling us to, there's some things we will have to deal with between here and there. 
There's never a time that God's not going to call you that it's going to be smooth sailing all the time, all the way. It's not going to happen that way. Sooner or later, you're going to encounter some type of a resistance and some type of a difficulty along the direction that God is calling you. Look, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, look, I don't want you to feel bad because I was exactly where you were at one time and everybody here that's saved was too. We all came to a church at a time in our life we had not trusted Christ and we were lost and in need of a Savior and we all, well, got saved. But I'll assure you this, listen, if the Lord calls you today to be saved... He knocks on your heart's door, and he stirs you up and brings conviction in your life. And you say, you know what? I want to go from where I am to where God's calling me to be. I want to be saved. I assure you, you're going to encounter difficulty. You're going to have doubts. You're going to have fears. You're going to have intrepidation about what are people going to think. There's going to be difficulty between where you are and where God is calling you to be. But you're going to have to deal with that. You're going to have to deal with that. Now, Jacob knew the Lord, and the Lord was calling him, but between here and there, there was a lot of things Jacob was going to have to deal with. One thing you're going to learn about God is God loves you enough not to leave you where you're at. God loves you enough, if you're a lost sinner this morning, as I was as a nine-year-old child, not to leave me that way. He knocked on my heart's door, let me know that I was lost. I answered the call. I trusted Christ. I'm thankful for that today. I'll be thankful all throughout eternity. You may be here this morning and you're saved and God's going to call you. He does not desire that you stay and remain where you're at. He wants you to grow. He wants you to serve. He's going to call you. But between where you are and where God is calling you to, you're going to encounter some difficulty. And so this morning I want to speak on a very simple subject of between here and there. Between here and there. Wherever you're at today, God's going to call you to grow and take steps forward. Whether you're lost and need to be saved or whether you're saved and need to be moving forward in your growth and your walk with God, as God calls you, you're going to encounter things between here and there. And you need to know how to deal with that. Why? Because the blessings of God and the promises of God in Jacob's life depended upon him dealing with what came along the way as he pursued what God was calling him to. Now, the blessings of God in your life and in your home, whether it be for salvation or for service, the promises of God that he holds in store for you as you walk with him and grow in his will, all of those are dependent upon whether or not you deal with what stands between where you are and where he's calling you to. So this morning, let's look at this thought of between here and there. And I believe in chapter 31 through about chapter number 35, we'll see three things. Come, come to think of it, it's always three, isn't it? But we'll see three things. We've got to just keep tradition, right? We're Baptists, so let's keep it going. If the Lord gave us four, we would, but I think you'd revolt, so we keep it at three. There's three things that I believe Jacob is going to have to deal with between here and there, and there are three things that we're going to have to deal with this morning, whether God calls you today and says to be saved. Can I ask you to do something? If the Holy Spirit of God deals with your heart today, and he lets you know that you're lost, look, do not resist him. He's calling you to something wonderful, to be a child of God. Have your name written down in the Lamb's book of life. Be an heir and join heir with Jesus Christ, spend eternity in heaven with him. I mean, what peace there is in knowing Christ. If he calls you to that today, don't resist it. But you're going to have to deal this morning with what stands between here and there. So let's, let's look at these three things real quickly. Genesis chapter 31, verse 3, the Lord calls back to Jacob. Tells him, return into the land of thy fathers, to thy kindred. Verse number 13, he says it again. He called him and says, arise, get thee out from this land and return unto the land of thy kindred. 
Chapter 32, we see Jacob is on his way. He loaded up the family, and he is on his way to what God has called him to. But look at chapter 32 and verse 7. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Boy, that didn't take long, did it? One chapter. He set out on this journey of what God's calling him to do. And right here, one chapter later in verse 7, then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Now, why was Jacob afraid? He knew that God called him. He knew what God was planning for him. Why was Jacob afraid? Why was he distressed? Well, I'll tell you why. It's a little four-letter word called Esau. The brother that he had swindled out of his birthright. That brother that wanted to knock him in the head, he was where God was calling Jacob to go. The first thing that Jacob is going to have to deal with this morning, and it's something that we're going to have to deal with between here and there, number one is what stood in the way. What stood in the way of Jacob was something that he had yet to deal with, and that was his brother Esau that wanted to kill him. And Jacob knew all too well that Esau was waiting on him in the land of his kindred. And he knew that before he could reach the place that God was calling him to, and before he could possess the promises that God had prepared for him, and before he could experience all that God desired for him, he was going to have to deal with what stood in the way. And what stood in the way was his brother Esau. Now, I'll be honest, oftentimes what derails me in the will of God for my life is when things pop out of the blue, okay? I I will be doing good with my schedule. Man, I just love working down the schedule and checking off the boxes, got this done, got this done. I sleep well when I get to check a lot of boxes during the day. Get to the office, you get a phone call. Next thing you know, you're doing this, you're doing that, doing that, and you get back to the office and you've checked no boxes on that day. What happened? I got derailed by things that kind of came out of the blue, This wasn't something that came out of the blue. This was something that Jacob knew was waiting on him. And before Jacob could reach the place that God was calling him to, Jacob was going to have to deal with what stood in the way. There was no avoiding Esau. Esau was waiting. I don't know about you, but man, some of your brothers and sisters, you'd probably be afraid of them too. And Esau was waiting on Jacob to return. I want you to think about this. My wife was telling me she filled in for the Heath Sunday school, cla- uh, uh, school class the other day, and they were doing some of the uh, financial things and the Dave Ramsey things and learned a lot about college loans and tuition loans, things like that. And I believe uh, he was telling the story about two people that he met as he was speaking at a college, and both of them were getting excited about getting married and graduating college, and both of them had 70-something thousand dollars of student loan debt apiece. What a way to start off your home. I encourage you, get good marriage counseling long before you get ready to get married uh, to help you work out those things. Well, we offer that here at our church. It's a blessing. But here was the, here's what he went around, and she was telling me, she says, did you know that most student loans, you can't do away with bankruptcy? You can't get away from them. Those things will hunt you down. I believe the student loan industry is one of the most uh, blossoming industries in the country all these students going and signing up for all this debt and how you, we wouldn't sell them a Corvette, but we'll give them $100,000 in student loan that they can never get out of. They have to pay that back sooner or later. Most bankruptcies, seven and 13, you can't even get out of student loans in most of them. You have to face it and you have to pay it. Esau was kind of like one of those student loans. Esau was waiting on Jacob. All of these years he'd been away and all of these years that he tried to put distance between him and the past, it was still there and it was waiting. And before Jacob can possess the promises 
and experience all that God's prepared, Jacob has to deal with what stands in the way. And it's Esau. I believe this this morning. Too often we come to a place where we don't know what to do because we haven't done what we know. Let's back that up. Too often we come to places in our life where we're not sure exactly what to do. And the reason is, is because not because we don't know what to do. It's because we've yet to do and to deal with what we already know. Now, folks, I tell you this. I want to confess before you today. You can be my priest today, and I'll confess to you, okay? People confess to me all the time. I'm like, I'm not a priest, okay? Just tell, tell him. That's why you go straight to the Father. The veil of the temple was rent. You don't have to confess nothing to me. You go straight there and confess to him, okay? That's what the Bible teaches. Thank the Lord for that. I'll confess something to you today. Yesterday, well, I, got, I told our Sunday school class today, I had a good day yesterday. Seven o'clock, men's prayer breakfast. If you missed it, you missed it. Man, we had donuts and breakfast burritos and coffee and all kind of stuff. And boy, it was good. And 7.30, we went out and helped the Barlows box some Bibles to ship overseas. 8 o'clock, we had soccer getting kicked off over here. It was just a happening place around here yesterday. I left here about uh, 8.45 or, or about 7.45, 8 o'clock, so around there, to take my wife to Jackson to, be, to meet her family and have lunch with them and don't get to see them a lot. And before I ever got home, before I ever got home, I left a spiritual high of all that was going on here before I ever, ever even got on the road that I live on. My spirit was sour. Something had aggravated me. I know that probably never happens to you, but it happens to me. And the longer I thought of it, the more it aggravated me. It's like chewing on a raw oyster. It just keeps growing the more you chew on it. Some of you are like, yes. You get it. I could cook them things, you know. Have you ever swam in the Gulf? Anyway, you know, cook them things. I walked in the door and had men there working on the house. Brother, Brother Carney, all these men cleaning and cutting trees down. And I keep asking, is he sure he's in the right yard? Because there's not any trees left to cut down. And yet there's a huge pile up by the road every time I come home. I hope it ain't the neighbor's trees he's cutting down out there. But folks working at my house, having a good day. And man, my attitude already stunk about something. I go in and I sit down and start talking to my wife, and I decided to let her know what I was aggravated about. It had nothing to do with her. And the whole day, my attitude was sour. It just stunk. I know you're disappointed that your pastor could be human, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I, I am. Got home last night. I sat down at the coffee table, and I can hold on to something for a while. Still chewing on that oyster. <laughs> sit down and open my Bible getting ready to preach today. Holy Spirit of God says, are you really going to try that? Go ahead, hot shot. Go ahead, sit down there and study and start making out notes, get ready to preach to people, and you know you're not right. My wife had nothing to do with it, and yet I had let her know all about it yesterday, just how agitated I was. And how, you say, what is it? I'm not going to tell you, Okay. <laughs> There's a palm reader down 49. Go talk to her. Maria can help you understand what it is. I called my wife. I said, can you come sit by me by the couch? She come and sit by me on the couch. I said, I have to apologize for something. She said, what? I said, I've had a bad attitude all day. It had nothing to do with you. I had a bad attitude all day. I said, I, look, I'm not right with you. I'm not right with God. Understand that. We're not right with our fellow man. You're not right with God. Quit trying to get right with God until you get right with your fellow man. I don't care what it is. Get right with him. Bible teaches that in the book of Matthew. 
I got right with her and got right with God. Then I was ready to pursue the promises and the preaching of what God wanted us in the word. You see, God says in order for you, for me to bless the service tomorrow morning, I don't want you to get up there until you've taken care of what stands in the way. What stands in the way is your stinking attitude that you had towards your wife all day. Now look, you think it's bad when I preach to you? The Holy Spirit of God preaches to me all the time. And he's a way better preacher. And he can make his point in ways that I can't. He says there's something that stands in the way and you know you need to deal with it. You have an Esau in your life that's waiting on you that stands between you and where I'm calling you to be. Between here and there, there was an Esau. And Jacob was going to have to deal with that. What do you think about Jonah this morning? Old Jonah's running from God and he knows he's running from God. He's on the boat, and the boat's rocking back and forth, and the mariners are, are scared to death, and they're about to lose their life, and they throw all of the stuff overboard, all of the wares of the ship. The Bible says Jonah was down there asleep, and they come wake him. Oh, sleeper, arise. Get up, get up, get up. The Bible goes on to say in the book of Jonah that Jonah had already told them why this was happening. He'd already told them. You see, Jonah knew what was wrong in his life, and he was trying to ignore it, and yet God finally got Jonah's attention, and Jonah was ready to take care of what stood in the way and be obedient to God. It finally took a whale, but he did. The Bible says that when Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem, the walls were broken down. The first thing he did before he ever swung a hammer, before he ever put one block on top of another, the Bible says he prayed to God, and he says, I and my fathers have sinned. What is he doing? He's taking care of what he knew stood in the way between where he was and where God was calling them to be. I don't believe you'd ever seen the wall rebuilt in 52 days, and the miraculous hand of God and power of God fall on Jerusalem had Nehemiah not taken care of what stood between here and there. And it was what he knew. It was something that stood in the way. I'm going to tell you this. You're going to try to move forward in your walk with God. You're going to try to move forward. There's something going to stand between you and where God's calling you to be. And if you don't deal with what stands in the way, you're never going to get there. I love, I love stories, historical stories, true stories. And uh, I read a while back about Yogi Berra, the famous catcher uh, back in the day. Some of you may have got to watch him play. I don't know. But... Uh, Yogi Bear and Hank Aaron were playing in the World Series, and he was the catcher, and Hank Aaron comes up, he's getting ready to bat, and Yogi Bear was like nonstop, like a chihuahua, just nonstop, you know, talking to the batters, trying to throw them off, trying to get in their head, trying to derail their at-bat, and Yogi Bear, when, when Hank Aaron took the bat, Yogi Bear says, you're holding it on the wrong end. He's just not shutting up. He's just letting him have it. He says, you're holding it on the wrong end. You've got to hold it the other way where you can read the words clearly, and Hank Aaron never said a word. Fastball came down the middle. Hank Aaron put it up in the upper deck. As he rounded the bases, he came back from third with a smirk on his face and looked at Yogi Berra, and he says, I didn't come here to read. (laughs) Hank Aaron found a way to handle the distractions and handle what stood in his way. He knew that when he walked from the dugout to home plate that Hank Aaron, that, that Yogi Berra was waiting. And he knew that in order for him to get his job done and fulfill what he was there to do and help win the World Series, that he was going to have to deal with Yogi. He was going to have to deal with his Esau, and boy, he found a way to do it. Can I tell you today, listen close, you can't expect God to do for you what you're not willing to do for yourself. You can't expect God to reach his hand down from heaven and do everything for us. God says, look, I sent my son to live, to die, to rise again. I've given all power unto you. Greater is he that is you than he is in the world. You've got everything you need to get the job done, and yet you still want me to do something for you. 
We can't, listen, we can't move forward until we deal with the Esau's in our life. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ, here's what'll happen. The Holy Spirit of God's gonna knock on your heart's door. Man, he's gonna make you uncomfortable. He's gonna bring conviction in your heart. You're gonna have this uncertainty about eternity in your life. And between you and eternity in heaven with God, there's a problem that must be dealt with. And it's called sin. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What I love about that verse is we're all in the boat together. Some of you may have uh, big college degrees, and some of you may have uh, a lineage of faithfulness in your life, but all of us were born sinners, the Bible says, and sin's got to be dealt with. God's not going to turn a blind eye to sin. Sin has to be dealt with. And so, look, you could try to go and work away that sin, but the Bible says it's not of works. You can't work away that sin. You cannot work hard enough or be good enough for it to go away. It's not going to happen. You can get baptized a thousand times, but the baptismal water will never wash it away. We sang about it all this morning. Hebrews 9.22, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. What stands between here and there and there's eternity in heaven with God is our sin. And the only thing that will dissolve sin is the precious blood of Christ. That problem can be dealt with today, but it'll be through Christ that you get rid of that Esau that's in your life. I think about Stephen, boy, when Stephen was preaching and Holy Spirit began to convict the hearts of those he was preaching to, rather than receive the word, the Bible says, they decided to shoot the messenger. They didn't like being told they were sinners. They didn't like being told they were coming up short. They didn't like being told it's because of them that Christ was crucified. And so they killed the messenger. And between here and there of eternity in their life, that wall of sin remained. Can I tell you this morning, you're going to have to deal with what stands in the way. Between here and there, if you're lost, there's sin, and sin has to be dealt with. So what about the saved here this morning? Well, as God begins to call you, the devil's going to put a lot of things between here and there to stop you in serving God. At our our annual staff meeting this week, and it was the first one that I got to be of. I say our annual staff meeting. It was the first one I got to be a part of. I was sitting there talking with the men, and I, I told them, I said, well, when God called me here, you know, this church holds a special place in my heart all of my life. The shadow of this church is, is very long. And I said, well, the shadow of the church and the opportunity is huge, and it's scary. Past three months, and my heart has quaked every time it's time to come out and get ready to preach. And boy, how you can be fearful. If you're not careful, fear will keep you from doing what you're called to do. Now, Jacob understood God was calling him to the promises and what he had prepared for him, but Jacob was going to have to deal with the fear in verse number seven. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. You're going to have to deal what stands between here and there in order to fulfill the will of God for your life. The good news is this morning you can. How do you deal with that? If you look at chapter 32, verse nine, real quick, verse seven says he was afraid. Look what he did in verse number nine. This is good. Jacob says, oh God of my father, he's praying. Abraham and God, my father, Isaac and the Lord, the Bible says, which said unto me, return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. Can I tell you what he's doing? He's going back to what God told him to do. God, I'm doing what you told me to do. I'm on this path and Esau's up there and I've got to deal with Esau. And so he goes back to God and reminds God that I'm doing exactly what you told me to do. There's no need to fear when you're doing what God's called you to do. So what Jacob begins doing is he looks past what lies ahead 
through what he knows lies beyond. He looks past what is right in front of him. I've got this Esau that I've got to deal with in order to fulfill the will of God. I've got to deal with this Esau. But the way he dealt with Esau was he looked past Esau to what God was calling him to. I love that. I heard a story once about a young lady by the name of Florina Chadwick. Lorena Chadwick was a swimmer and wanted to be a, a great Olympic swimmer, didn't make the Olympics, and Miss Chadwick decided she was going to swim the English Channel. So she sets off on a big day, all the reporters are there, and the family's there, and a big audience, she begins to swim across the English Channel, and a fog bank rolled in on the other side. She could no longer see the shore of the English Channel, so she turned around and they called a boat to come pick her up, because she couldn't see the other side. While later, she decided, I'm going to do it again. She gets in the water, begins to swim. It happens again. Fog bank begins to roll in. She cannot see the other side, but she continued to swim through the fog this time. And she completed the journey, and she broke the men's record for swimming the English Channel. They asked her how she was able to get through this time. Here's what she said. I listened for the waves crashing on the shore. And even though I could not see the shore, I knew that it was there. And I just kept swimming through the fog because I knew the shore was waiting on me on the other side. Can I tell you what Jacob's doing? Jacob is saying, look, Esau scares me. Oftentimes, there's things as we fulfill the will of God, they're going to scare us. I don't know if I can deal with that. I don't know if I can take care of that. You may have fears. It could be sin in your life and you're not sure if you can take care of that. How do you get over that? You just look to where God wants to take you after you do. That's what Jacob did in chapter number nine. So number one, between here and there, you're going to have to deal with what stood in the way. Now, turn to chapter 32. If you're already there, stay there. Look at verse 22. <coughs> so here's Jacob. He's on the journey. He's dealt with Esau in his heart. He's going to take care of that as it comes, and we'll talk about that more in just a moment. Verse 22, the Bible says he rose up in the night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint and he wrestled with him. And he says, let me go for the day breaketh. And he says, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. He said unto him, what is thy name? And he says, Jacob. Goes on the story, we know this is where Jacob wrestled with an angel. Some believe he wrestled with God because he saw, says in the end of the chapter that he saw the face of God. I want you to imagine what it would be like to wrestle with an angel. I mean, I'm sure as Jacob went off his daily itinerary, wrestling with an angel was not something he had on there. But not only are you going to have to deal with things between here and there that stand in the way. Number two this morning, you're going to have to deal with things that come along the way. There are going to be unexpected things come into your life as you try to fulfill the call of God that you're going to have to deal with that you were not planning on dealing with. Two of our members just this week who lost loved ones tragically this week. I mean tragically. They were not prepared for that. They did not know that was coming, but God knew that was coming, and they had to deal with it all the same. So we notice as Jacob wrestles with this angel the Bible says they wrestled all night, and Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go in verse number 27, or verse number 26. He said, except thou bless me. Jacob says, look, I'm not going through this for nothing. If I'm going to wrestle an angel all night, and I would just love to have been there to see how that happened, 
He says, I want a blessing out of this deal. Can I tell you that sometimes as you try to get from here to there, things are going to come along the way that you're going to have to deal with, but you need to learn to deal with them so that you can get the blessing out of it. Jacob says, I've gone through all of this. I'm not going through it for nothing. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 11, verse number 8, it gives us the account of a friend coming over at midnight, knocking on your door and wanting some bread. Now, we're out right now, okay? So if you come to my house, I got a couple of English muffins left. So if you like those, come on over. I prefer you come before midnight. Had somebody ring our doorbell at 2.30, whoever it was. I don't know which one of you it was, but I'm sure it was one of you. I I got the bread ready, but they didn't show up. But the friend comes to the door and asks for bread, and you say, no, no, look, we're already tucked in. Kids are in bed. Come back tomorrow. And the story says that you open the door not because they're your friend, but Luke chapter 11, verse number 8, the Bible says because of their importunity. That means they're nonstop. We all got friends like that, don't we? Aren't you glad the election's over for a little while? Quit knocking on your door, you know, vote for them, vote for them, vote for them. Importunity. Finally, you answer the door and you say, okay, okay, because you just kept it up so long, I will hear you out. This is God blessing Jacob. He was not prepared for this to come along his way, but Jacob had to deal with what came along his way, and he says, I'm not going to go through this without a blessing coming out of it in the end. He says, what is thy name? He says, Jacob, verse 28. He says, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. The Bible says that God had blessed him. Between what you do know that is standing in your way this morning and what you don't know, you're going to be tempted to quit. You need to deal with things that come along the way because I assure you things are going to come along the way. You're going to have to fight for what's right often, and then sometimes you're going to have to fight against what's wrong. There's a lot of wrestling in the Christian life. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That means, look, you're going out there to do the will of God, to answer the call of God. Things are going to come out of the blue, and you're going to have to wrestle with them or quit. That's the only other option. I love to talk about Job and think about what Job went through. Job didn't see that coming. I mean, how many of you go to bed thinking tomorrow I'm going to lose all of my children? I'm going to wake up tomorrow and all of my property is going to be repossessed and my wife's going to turn her back. You don't plan on that. Those are things that just come along the way. But Job dealt with what came along the way. Folks, understand there are times you're going to have to fight for what's right and wrestle for what's right. And then also you're going to have to wrestle against what's wrong. I read a story years ago about the Old West, and I love the Old West. I'm not much of a cowboy, I can tell you that. I know that may shock you after my performance during vacation Bible school, but I am not much of a cowboy. But I love reading about them, and read an interesting story, true story, that when you, you got a ticket to ride a wagon, there were three different classes of tickets. The first class on the ticket is you got to ride the ride and stay in the carriage the entire time if you so chose. The second class ticket was one that if the the wagon broke down, you had to get out, but you did not have to help change the tire. The third class ticket was the one where not only did you have to get out when it broke down, but you had to help change the tire. Can I just tell you, in the Christian life and on this Christian journey, there are no first class Christians. There's nobody who's going to get to ride this thing out without going through a little bit of turbulence from time to time, and there are times you're going to have to get out of the carriage and help change the tire. You're going to have to wrestle with some things from time to time. That's just part of it. I mean, Christ did. And if he did that, then good night this morning. Every one of us is going to have some things that come along the way that we're going to have to wrestle with. You're going to have to find a way to deal with. 
Because if you don't, here's what's going to happen. The devil's going to use the difficulty that comes in your life to derail your walk with God. He's going to use difficulty to his advantage when you should use difficulty to your advantage. What did, what did Jacob do? Jacob said, I've been wrestling this guy all night. I'm telling you, I'd love to see it. Some of you folks that can paint, paint a picture of that. I'd love to see what it looked like. Been wrestling with this guy all night long. He said, look, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. He said, I'm getting something out of this. Folks, when you go through a trial, you're either going to let the trial take advantage of you or you're going to take advantage of the trial. Why don't you get something out of it? Jacob walked away. The Bible says that he touched the hollow of his thigh and uh, the sinew, the tendon drew up. And I believe by reading that, that the rest of Jacob's life, he walked with a limp. How many of us focus on the limp rather than focusing on the blessing we got from the battle? I'm just going to be honest. I get tired of Christians griping and complaining about all that's wrong in their life and harboring bitterness in their life. And they're letting their troubles and their trials take advantage of them rather than they take advantage of their trial. Why don't you find the blessing in the thorn? All you see is the thorns instead of the rose that's on top of it. Paul did that. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, Paul says that brethren were waxing confident in his bonds. Paul's in prison, and rather than whining and griping and complaining about it, he says, hey, hey, I got good news. There are other brothers in Christ who are getting strengthened by watching what I'm going through. He wasn't griping and complaining. What he was doing, he was finding the advantage in his battle that came along his way rather than let the battle take advantage of him. I've got, a, I've got something to read to you real quick, and I'll give you the last point. I have an excerpt from John Wesley's journal. John Wesley says this. I don't have the, the year, but I have the date and the day. Sunday, May 5th, Sunday morning, May 5th, preached in St. Anne's and was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday night, May 5th, preached in St. John's. Deacon says, get out and stay out. Preach Sunday morning, May 12th, can't go back there either. Preach Sunday morning, May 19th, deacons called a special meeting and says, I can't return. Preach Sunday night of May 19th on the street and got kicked off the street. You know it's bad when you get kicked off the street. Because people usually kick you to the street. They kicked him off the street. Preach Sunday morning, May, May 26th in a meadow, chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose during the service. That's never happened to me. Preached June 2nd, Sunday morning, on the edge of town and was kicked off the highway. Sunday, June 2nd, night service. This afternoon I preached in a pasture and 10,000 came to hear me. This afternoon preached in a pasture and 10,000 came to hear. Most of us would have never made it past May 12th to get to June 2nd, to where we found the blessing in the adversity we were going through. I'm glad that John Wesley left a testimony behind that you can be called from here to there and you can get over what stands in your way and you can get over what comes along the way to ultimately see God bless. Now you think about your heroes in the Bible this morning. Pick your hero out. Get it locked in your head. You got it. Get your hero. Who's your hero? So often the people that we look to in the word of God that are heroes became heroes by dealing with things that came along the way. Daniel and the lion's den. Not Daniel in the recliner, Daniel in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the comfy furnace. No, the fiery furnace. David and Goliath. What happened? Rather than let what came along the way get advantage of them, they took advantage of that and God blessed and God worked.
So number one this morning, between here and there, there are things that stand in the way. You've got to deal with that. Number two, there are things that come along the way. You're going to have to deal with that. We sing the song, Standing on the Promises, but I tell you, you better learn to. What got Jacob on when what stood in the way was scary and what came along the way was just flat out odd was the promise that God had made him. Paul said this, as he went to Jerusalem, I go bound in the spirit in Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that bonds and afflictions. Paul said, there's trouble coming my way. But he says, none of these things move me. Why? So that I might finish my course with joy. Here's what he's saying. I'm looking beyond what's come along my way to see the promise that God's prepared. Last thing. Turn over to chapter 35. Chapter number 35. Between here and there, there are things that stand in the way. Between here and there, things are going to come along the way unexpectedly. You've got to deal with that. Chapter number 35, Jacob's returning to Bethel. God's called him to return to Bethel. We can go on and we can, we can pick up in verse number one. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go to Bethel and dwell there and make there an altar unto God. And there appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. So it's kind of a backstory there. And so they're on their journey. The Bible tells us that. And look all the way down to verse 17 or verse 16. And they journeyed from Bethel. It was there but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed. She had hard labor. It came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. It came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benani, but his father called him Benjamin. Look at verse 19. And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. Now, I want you to imagine the devastation in the heart of Jacob. As here he is, trying to get from here to there. I'm just trying to get from here to there. And he's overcome what stood in the way. He's overcome what come along the way. And yet now, this trip has really become costly, as he will now bury Rachel. The Bible says in verse 19, in the way. I'm going to tell you this morning, between here and there, you're going to have to learn to deal with, number three, what you lose along the way. There's some things you're going to have to lose along the way. Serving God was costly to Christ. Fulfilling the call of God upon his life or Christ, it cost him everything. And I want you to understand that as a Christian, as you seek to answer the call of God to get from here to there, you're going to have to lose some things along the way. I wonder if Jacob ever realized how expensive this journey would be. The Bible tells us that if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. In the following of Christ, there are times that we're going to have to leave some things behind in order to get from here to there. We, have, we live in a very spoiled generation. It's my generation too, okay? I'd love to say it's the guys behind me, but it's, it's me too. We're very spoiled. We want everything our way, the way we want it, when we want it. We don't want any difficulty or struggle in our life. By the way, mom and dad, if you remove all struggle from your children, you're depriving them. The greatest generation was a generation who came through the depression and the wars. The struggle was good for them. 
You get strong by pushing weights and dealing with weights and troubles in your life. You don't get strong by not lifting anything and struggling at all. You're going to struggle. And yet we have a generation today who wants to serve God and wants to go from here to there without any struggle in their life. And I hate to tell you something, you're in for a shock. Because somewhere along the way, you're going to dig a grave for something and bury it. And it's going to be something you held dear. There are things this morning that we all hold dear in our life that say, God, I will serve you and I will go from here to there. Just don't ask for this. We have those no trespassing signs in our heart. Don't ask for this. And yet God asked for that in the life of Jacob. The Bible says he buried Rachel in the way. On the way going from here to there, he left behind the one he loved and the one he cared for. You're going to have to bury some things sometimes. But I'll tell you where God is calling you to and what God has prepared for you is worth whatever he asks from you. It's worth whatever he asks from you. He told Abraham to leave the land of his fathers. Once you get up and get out of there, leave all that behind. He asked the fishermen in Matthew chapter four, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The Bible says they left their nets. They left their father as well. They had to leave some things behind, but oh, what God was calling them to. So often we look at serving God and the journey from here to there is not worth it. It's not worth what it's going to cost me. It's not worth what I'm gonna have to leave behind. And I'm gonna tell you something. It's not God that's missing out on your service. It's you that are missing out on what God wanted to do through you. Because you couldn't deal with, number one, what stood in the way. Can I ask you this morning, do you have an Esau? Is there an Esau in your life? Is there some unfinished business, some loose ends that you know it's waiting? There's an Esau between here and there, and what stands in the way is me dealing with Esau. You'll find out. Jacob was so scared, he split his family up into two groups. He says, go talk to Esau, and if he kills all of y'all, at least we'll have a backup. No kidding. Everything turned out to be all right. He dealt with what stood in the way. Wrestled with this angel, and boy, it was tough. He wrestled all night, and he left there limping, but he also left there with a blessing because he dealt with what came along the way. Can I ask you this morning, has... Have you set out to go from here to there in the will of God and something interrupted your life and what has interrupted your life has derailed you? You need to deal with what comes along the way. Get a blessing out of it. Don't listen. Don't let the struggle get the advantage of you. Get the advantage of the struggle. Find the blessing that's in the thorn. And then this morning, some of you may need to deal with what you're gonna have to leave along the way. No, I'm done, but hear this out. This morning, I believe If we're going to take one step forward, we've got to deal with what we know stands in the way. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ. The Bible says sin stands between you and a holy God and a home in heaven. You can try and you can work and you can get baptized and you can call yourself speaking in tongues and everything else in the world. That ain't going to bring that wall down. One thing that will bring it down is the precious blood of Christ. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, what stands in your way this morning between you and an eternity in heaven can be dropped today through the blood of Christ. But you've got to come when he calls. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saved and you know that you're saved and yet there's an Esau that you need to deal with. Some unfinished business in your life. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's sin. You know what it is. Deal with what stands between you and what God's calling you to. Because I'll tell you, the journey from here to there is great once you get past what comes along the way. But maybe there's something. You know, I would have been tempted if I was Jacob. Tell the family, we're stopping right here where Rachel died. We're going to build a house right here where Rachel died. 
We're not going to take another step. I can't leave your mom here. I mean, she's been with us this whole way. I can't leave this, and we're just going to stop right here. Can I ask you, is something God wanting to take from you? Is it keeping you where you're at, and you just need to have a little funeral this morning? You bury some Rachels that may be in your life, and as tough as it is to leave those things behind, what God's prepared, whether it be heaven for the lost or an opportunity to serve God for the saved, the promises are worth whatever you have to deal with between here and there. So let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and let's stand to our feet.